Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 32, The Liahona. So we received a review last week that I want to share here on the podcast, and it's from the bookish dragon, which I'm intrigued. I want to know the details and the background behind that name. I think it's awesome. But it says, I am LDS born and raised, but after a nasty divorce, I found myself drifting away from the church. At a Time Out for Women conference I recently went to, a wonderful sister told me of this beautiful podcast. I was skeptical but now I'm hooked. I've loved reading the Book of Mormon along with this podcast and have found myself in tears with prayer the last few weeks. Thank you. You are such a blessing. And I think that about you, bookish dragon. You are a blessing to me. Thank you for leaving such a beautiful and thoughtful review. I am grateful that you are a truth seeker that you are being found at things that will bring you truth like Time Out for Women, and that you're not only listening to this podcast, but that you're reading the scriptures along with it, that you are seeking truth. We are on this journey together to be able to get to know our Heavenly Father and Savior Jesus Christ more intimately so that we can see how they're showing up for us. It's interesting how a basic, simple podcast topic has thrown me for a loop this week. It's not my intent each week to come here and wow you. That actually violates some guidelines that I've put for myself. I want to be aware of pitfalls such as pride and insincerity and the potential to overstep. So my intent is to liken the scriptures for them to become a power source to you and to I today. And for no longer for the scriptures to be philosophical but to have them apply to what we're doing and what we're experiencing and to see the creator and upholder of all things in the very details of our existence. And it is my belief that there wasn't room to add wasteful content onto the plates, but that everything was intentional and purposeful and completely worth protecting and risking one's life for, which Moroni and Joseph Smith did. And with that outlook, the things within the Book of Mormon then become priceless. And a topic such as the Liahona, I thought, should be a no-brainer. And in some ways it is, but I really thought that this was going to be a 10-minute podcast and, and life would move on. But it has sent my thoughts down a rabbit hole this week. And I have become more humble as I think about the dynamics of Lehi's family, of my personal family, and also of my Ward family, and how significant the Leahona's debut really is. So starting in verse 9 of 1 Nephi chapter 16, Lehi is told at night that the next day he should take his journey into the wilderness. And I love how specific that the Lord gets with Lehi about when he's supposed to leave the next day. But I wonder if Lehi had time to process the question of which direction should I go? And maybe it was obvious to him Or maybe he had a very busy night seeking the Lord and asking him questions of where and how and so forth. But time beat on, or in other words, and it came to pass. 
as my father arose in the morning and went forth to the tent door, to his great astonishment, he beheld upon the ground a round ball of curious workmanship, and it was of fine brass. And within the ball were two spindles, and the one pointed the way whither we should go into the wilderness. And at this point in time, by Nephi, the Leahona is only referred to as a ball. It's not until much later in the Book of Mormon that we get the name Leahona. So there it was, right outside Lehi's tent door. It's reminiscent to me like the manna from heaven that the Israelites experienced. They needed and the Lord provided in a curious and unexplainable way. And also, you know, really in an exciting way. We learn through the experience of Lehi's family that these pointers within the ball or spindles as they're called worked according to the faith, the diligence, and the heed of the family of Lehi. Not just the faith, diligence, and heed of Lehi or the combination of Lehi and Nephi together, but the faith, diligence, and heed which the family of Lehi gave unto them. And that is part of the rabbit hole that my brain went down this week, and we'll visit that in a few minutes. But back to the Liahona, writing would appear, and I'm not sure if that was the purpose of the second spindle. It's not really clear to me. But interestingly, Nephi refers to it as a new writing written upon the ball, plain to read, which gave them understanding concerning the Lord. And these writings changed from time to time according to the faith and diligence of the family of Lehi. And what does Nephi learn from this ball, from its spindles and its writing? By small means, the Lord can bring about great things. Isn't it interesting how the Lord works? It's also interesting how many people have not challenged the appearance of a Leahona or the ability that it had to direct people through the middle of nowhere to exactly where they needed to end up. But the Leahona is an example of many simple objects that the Lord has used in the past and that only work through the faith, diligence, and heed which is given to it. Whether it be the stones that the Lord touched which gave light to the barges of the brother of Jared, or the waters of Jordan that Naaman the Syrian was told by the prophet Elisha to dip himself in seven times and that that would heal his leprosy. Or the Urim and Thummim, used by the Book of Mormon prophets and even by Joseph Smith, that enabled them to translate ancient records. Or even the seer stone that Joseph Smith used, and that many have mocked and even become disenchanted with the gospel over. Because it was curious, and it was simple. But in each of these circumstances, faith, diligence, and attention to the Lord's method of communication was necessary. And what came out of it was great and even marvelous. It really is a lesson for us to not overlook the Lord's ways, though they may appear simple. Because, you know, really, baptism by immersion for the remission of sins is a pretty simple thing. It only takes a couple of seconds. The laying on of hands by someone with authority, and by doing so, I then can receive a member of the Godhead to always be with me, is pretty simplistic for something so grand. Not to mention the Spirit and how the Spirit communicates through whisperings and feelings. And this communication can be overlooked or questioned because of its simplicity. 
let alone patriarchal blessings or the word of God found in the scriptures. It is too easy to become tempted to either add upon these liahonas and make them more spectacular than they need to be, or to swing the pendulum to the opposite end and then become apathetic and neglectful and disinterested because they are simple. 500 years later, when the prophet Alma is passing down the record to his son Helaman, he would also pass down the ball or what he finally termed as the Liahona. With wisdom, he instructed Helaman that when their fathers became negligent of the simple things, therefore becoming slothful and forgetting to exercise faith and diligence, the marvelous works of the Liahona ceased and no progress in their journey was made. Instead, they tarried. They didn't travel a direct course. They were afflicted with hunger and thirst because of their transgressions. And prospering didn't take place. He counseled his son to recognize that it really is easy to give heed to the words of Christ, which point you to the straight course to eternal bliss. Just like it was really easy for the families of Lehi and Ishmael to give heed to the compass, pointing them to the promised land. And Alma warned, don't be slothful because of the easiness of the way. And what are some easy things that we might not do because we have become slothful? What are some of those things figuratively that if we just do them, we can look and live? Well, Elder Ballard listed a few. He said family prayer, personal prayer, scripture study, especially the Book of Mormon, family home evening, love one another, be thoughtful, kind, and gentle within the family. And this is where my thoughts rested this week. In order for the family to prosper on their journey to the promised land, it took every member. Lehi alone couldn't do it. Lehi and Sariah together as husband and wife couldn't do it. Lehi, Sariah, Sam, and Nephi and their spouses couldn't do it. It took the group to do it. And honestly, this gave me some pause and some soberness of thought. Because for some reason, our Father in Heaven has magnificently intertwined us with one another. Yes, we have agency, and yes, we can't control other people's agency. But no, it's not enough for us to worry just about ourselves and ask, am I my brother's keeper? Lehi and Sariah, on their journey, they needed to sorrow for their rebellious sons. And Nephi, needed to exhort, forgive, exhort, forgive, because his ability to reach the promised land depended on it. The Liahona required synergy from the group in order for it to direct the group's paths. And when I use the word synergy, I can't help but think of Stephen Covey, that highly effective leader who wrote a few books about being highly effective. And one of them was the seven habits of highly effective families. And according to Covey, synergy is the magic that happens when one plus one equals three or more. It is the part or energy that is created when two or more parties are working together to produce something new. And of course, ideally, everyone would be working towards a win-win and the parties would have a shared vision and a sense of accountability and they would work towards a common goal. And, you know, wouldn't that be lovely? (laughs) As a mother, I sometimes become discouraged because I feel like synergy is sometimes lacking. 
as I try to rally the troops towards the common goal of a clean house, or the common goal of getting along with each other, or the common goal to create a value of reading and knowledge gaining in our home, or as I try to get everyone on board to put their clean clothes nicely away, and hey, how about those church shoes? For the love of Pete, there isn't even a Pete in our family, but for the love of Pete, could we put the church shoes away so that we can find them next Sunday and not be late? And I don't even know how Lehi managed to travel with all of these people because frankly, I don't feel good synergy trying to get five children to move towards the van, let alone get in it or be happy with this seat that is offered to them. And I could go on and on. I know these are silly, but they are the daily annoyances that I experience as a mother trying to create a home that can be a haven where the spirit can be felt, where we can achieve some degree of love at home. But these silly annoyances too often led me to anger and defeatism and it planted the seeds of hard feelings within my heart towards my family members. And they have periodically stopped my Leahona from working in my life. And I've tarried and I haven't progressed. I, the part, am impacted by the whole in our journey towards the land of promise. But as Lehi's family shows us that when that is not present, when there is fighting and resisting and adversarial actions, progression stops. And that is sobering to me. I don't like to be held back. Yet though we are independent creations who must make independent covenants with our God and must use our agency independently, Father has linked us together so that we are independently dependent upon each other and upon Him. Why? Because we are a family. Because we are the body of Christ. And as I think about this, I can see this principle take effect in various scenarios where we tarry and we're unable to progress or be directed by the spirit or by our modern day liahonas, when the team, if you will, isn't being faithful, diligent, and giving heed as a whole to the liahona. We see this in marriages, families, missionary companionships, presidencies at church, and perhaps we can even see it on a ward level. And doesn't it give deeper meaning to the commandment we're under to minister to one another? How might we as the body of Christ be held back because we are not collectively giving heed to help one another, to create synergy among the ward members in moving towards a collective goal where every individual is needed? Now perhaps you're like me and you detest being held back. And the struggle is real. My spirit wants to soar so much faster than my mortal body and its weakness allows me to. I get tired and impatient and lazy sometimes and forgetful. And sometimes I just get exhausted out of exhorting. (laughs) It makes you think of Nephi, doesn't it? Eight years to travel from Jerusalem to the shores of Bountiful. And it wasn't the shores of Bountiful in the promised land. In those eight years, there must have been some serious tarrying. And how tired, how tired did Nephi and Lehi become with their persuading and their reminding and their forgiving and exhorting with all the feeling of a tender parent or the exhorting using all the energy of their souls and all the faculty which they possessed 
so much effort to get the Liahona to direct their paths. Yet they wouldn't have been able to get where they needed to go without it. And honestly, there are at times I have this little voice in my head that said, how lovely would it have been to just let Laman and Lemuel go back to Jerusalem? And I'm not sure of what the Jewish customs are that may have made that an impossibility, but I do know the Lord's culture, and it's alive and well in Lehi and Nephi, where that was not a possibility. To let one family member go so easily was not a possibility to them. Yet you can see that Lehi and Nephi were blessed for their efforts. In revisiting Stephen Covey, it refers to the observation that obtaining synergy allows the family unit to achieve immunity. With the presence of an immune system, the family doesn't get knocked down because they encounter something hard. They have experienced hard before, and they know that they can face it and survive it. And despite how we feel and see Laman and Lemuel, I do believe we could argue that they did develop confidence along the way that they could survive it. And though Nephi experienced discouragements and disappointments, he also was not left lacking. Every time he exhorted his brethren, he had to search within his heart of ways to encourage and motivate them to repentance which then gave the Lord an opportunity to fill his heart with truth and with new understanding, which anchored him and solidified him. His reading of the scriptures allowed him to be filled with the spirit of prophecy. His personal questions were answered. His afflictions developed him into the leader that he needed to become. And his faith grew to the point that he needed to achieve in order to become the instrument that the Lord needed him to be. Look at the scriptures. Nephi developed an immunity towards failure, towards impatience, and you know, even pride. And I think that's evident in how he just kept choosing forgiveness. He became immune to the natural man. And I'm not saying that he was perfect, that he didn't make mistakes. But he always ended up exactly where he needed to be. And his afflictions were the perfect vaccination to fear and doubt that hold so many of us back. So my encouragement to you this week, don't give up. Be faithful, diligent, and give heed to your liahonas, the Holy Ghost, your patriarchal blessing, the word of God, or other directors from the Lord. If you feel you have become slothful, go back to the basics, family prayer personal prayer, study the scriptures, especially the Book of Mormon, family home evening, love one another, be thoughtful, kind, and gentle with the family. It really is the KISS policy that my biopsych teacher would encourage us to embrace. Keep it simple, stupid. (laughs) But, you know, a more friendly approach would be the Lord's way, of course, which is by small means, the Lord can bring about great things. In a past episode, I can't remember remember which one, but I encouraged you to look up the resource booklet, Adjusting to Missionary Life, which I like to refer to as Adjusting to Mortal Life, but the church didn't consult me on it. (laughs) But don't be fooled by, by the title. It can be used by all of us. Do you feel like stress is getting in the way of your faith, your diligence, and your heed? Well, look up what this booklet has to say. It has simple and small things for you to take action with in order to be able to overcome or at least keep in check that stress. 
Do you struggle with lack of energy? Give faith, diligence, and heed to what the Lord would direct you to do about that. Do you feel discouraged, self-critical, anxious, irritated easily? Yes, obviously what I said earlier about my children doing what they're supposed to. I need to look this portion up in the resource booklet. Or do you feel lonely or perhaps unmotivated? There are nuggets of truth within this resource that are purposeful, simple, gospel-oriented, and effective. Look it up. The Lord loves you. He loves your efforts. Don't give up on him, even when it feels like you're tarrying. Focus on what you're intended to become, because all of your efforts that are required to create that synergy that we talked about is developing an immunity within you that will allow you to become what you're intended to become. It is going to be okay. Be faithful, be diligent, and continue to give heed to your liahonas. Sister Scriptorians, by small means the Lord can bring about great things. This week, prayerfully ask Father what He would have you do. What simple area can you focus on so that you can better receive direction from Him? Don't be intimidated by the process. Even when you feel like you aren't progressing, be faithful, be diligent, and continue to give heed. Have a nice day.